Hi everyone and welcome to First Drafts here on State of the Revolution, where we have casual conversations about important issues with people from across the political and philosophical spectrum. This is not a formal interview, just an exchange of thoughts and ideas gently guided by a few questions. A public space where we can think out loud without worrying about making mistakes, forming concrete conclusions, or wondering, did we think that through all the way? So come along for the ride. We hope you enjoy this first draft. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of the Revolution. I'm Leanne O'Sharon, and this is a new segment we're trying out called First Drafts. We need more open discussion of big issues. We need a space where we can explore big ideas in public without the pressure of giving a definitive or a fully thought out answer. These are first drafts. They're experimental discussions. To make sure we're able to have an open and honest conversation, each participant may strike any of their comments from the final release. Today I'm talking with Karina Freeman. Karina was on the podcast last week and we had a good discussion both on the podcast and afterwards. So I asked her to join us for first drafts. She's an activist with the Freed People in Grand Rapids and a really interesting person. I had a great conversation with her the other day. Um, but uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Karina, and uh, talk a little bit about your organization. Sure. Hi, and thank you for having me, having me back. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I am a mother. I'm a wife. I am an educator, and I am a revolutionary. I founded an organization called the Free Peoples. It is a 501c4 organization, which means that we really get to delve into political issues. We have a lot going on, and if anyone is interested, you can find us on Facebook, Free Peoples, on Twitter, Free Peoples, and our website, thefreepeoples.com. Cool. Very, very, very cool. So, as I explained uh, a little bit before we started, I've got five big questions that I'm going to ask, and I'm just going to go through them and have a conversation for, you know, 10, 15 minutes or something like that about each of them and see how that goes. So, here's the first one. How do you define freedom? Freedom would be defined as having free will and also having the means to carry out that free will. So, having the the ability to carry out your desires. So I think that's where it would it would lie somewhere on that line being that you have the choice to do what you want to do and you also have the means to carry out those choices. Mhm. So in your way of thinking about freedom, uh is there a way to measure how much freedom you have? There would be economically Okay. by determining if you do have the means to carry out your your wishes um, okay. I think it would be economically okay so you measure it economically any other way any other kinds of measures um, just, just wondering when I think of freedom I also think of happiness mm-hmm. I don't know if you can measure happiness but my husband often says you can't buy happiness but I've never seen someone on the back of a jet ski unhappy and so I think if you if you have the ability to get those types of things, um, you would be able to find that happiness within within the space that you're able to create for yourself. But I think happiness is individual is is a very individual concept, and so um, a measurable concept goes back to economics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. In your way of thinking about freedom, how do you get more freedom than you have at a given time? Like right now, if you wanted to have more freedom, what would you do? I would need to begin to create a path towards that freedom. So what do I want? 
if I don't know what I want, mm-hmm. how can I know when I've got it and when I'm free to do what I want to do? For instance, I want to eventually have my own research center and I don't have the freedom to do that right now because of capitalism. I have to work. Mm-hmm. I'm happy, but mm-hmm. could I be happier in the place where I want to be? Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, this is really a tough question. It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. Sure. No. Um, I think that's how I'd sum it up. Okay, okay. What's the appropriate role of government in society? That is a really, really fine line. That is such a fine line because mm-hmm. as, a, as a female, I want to say my body, my choice. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to say those things. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I would like assistance with things like birth control um, and things like that. So where does that line cut off for the government? Hmm. That's a really great question. I, I like to think that I'm probably somewhere along the lines of, of a bigger government, but at the same time, <laughs> that's a great question. I, I don't know if I can answer mm-hmm. that question. What is the role of government? What are the kinds of things that government ought to do and what are the kinds of things that government ought not to do or, you know, and don't necessarily think of government as just the U.S. government. I mean, we have we have local government, we have state government, we have some regions that are not states or or other things like watersheds that we have some government over. You know, there's lots of different kinds of government out there. I'm talking about from the big picture, what are things that the government ought to do? From the big picture, um, ensure that our human rights are are met. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the that's the the biggest picture. The the basic human rights. Mm-hmm. We should have access to clean water. I know I say that word differently. Mm-hmm. I'm born and raised in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should have access to clean water. We should have access to housing, to food. And then when we come to a micro scale, as you were mentioning local government, I'm thinking about roads and things. Government should should be responsible mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. upkeep of roads. Mm-hmm. So maybe the cutoff is the body. Maybe the government should have no say in mm-hmm. how we govern our own bodies. Mm-hmm. And then I, I extend that immediately. I start thinking about drug use and how that's policed. And the government should have mm-hmm. no say in that. If, if it's an, uh, an adult, right. um, the, the government should have no say in that. Just as on this flip side as a woman, my body, mm-hmm. my choice. So the government should have no say in mm-hmm. that. So I think that my line would be at the body. I don't think that the government should mm-hmm. have any say in our body. Mm-hmm. What about the way that the government manages economic uh, situations? So for example, there are, I mean, there are some things that we can't do just in our own bodies. For example, to build roads and bridges and stuff like that, like you were talking about before, the government needs to procure labor, needs to procure materials to do that, and that involves economics at some level. So what do you think is an appropriate role there? feels like I just had this conversation with my husband and we were talking about monopolies and we were talking about things like Mm -hmm. electricity, how it's really not fair that there is no competition. Mm -hmm. And so that's Mm -hmm. where it gets dangerous. But on the same string, if you you will, Mm -hmm. it ensures that we all get clean water. But there should be fair competition. I I think that there should be fair competition. Um, So why would you want there to be competition for electric power? competition drives the price. 
we could also, for example, if we had a government utility, we and, and there are some governments that own utilities, for example, mm-hmm. Lansing owns their power production. So, for example, we could have a government-run utility system like Lansing does, and we could say we want the price to be the cost of production plus the cost of maintenance and improvements, you know, whatever we, you know, we need to keep things going at the pace of technology and so on. That would literally be the cheapest price that it could be, and the way that we would do that is we would own it ourselves, and we would set the prices to make sure that that could continue. When I lived in Florida, um, down in Sarasota, Bradenton, mm-hmm. that it was utilities were owned by the public, if you will. And I don't, Mm -hmm. it was probably my error because blinded by capitalism at Mm -hmm. that time, I was was simply Mm -hmm. a teacher and Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking into those things. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember Mm -hmm. having a say in, in our prices. Well, I don't think that the way that we currently do that, I don't think that people get much mm-hmm. of a say in the prices. Mm-hmm. I think I think that there's a lot of politics that goes into it and things like that. But that's that's a different issue. There's an issue of how we manage our politics. Mm-hmm. And there's an issue of how we manage our economy. Uh, hold on just a second. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not sure why that was... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, what, what were you just saying? Um, we were talking about fair market, and um, you were about to teach me something, I believe. <laughs> I remember. Right before my, 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 my headphones screwed us up. That we could set the prices and... Right, so if we own the utility, then we could figure out what the costs are at our current level of technology. We could figure out what the costs are for maintenance and repairs, you know, projected. We can figure out what the costs are for improvements over, uh, you know, the foreseeable future. And then we could figure out a way to fairly price all of that. If we did that democratically, if we did that from a position Mm -hmm. of, we don't know how this is going to affect anybody, so we need to make sure that it affects everybody as little as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't know how this will affect everybody, so we need to make sure that it affects affects everybody as little as possible, you know, in every circumstance. Um, So what, what would be the problem with that? Greed. I think that it it wouldn't start fair. I think that we would have the great idea, but I don't think it would start fair. Um, Why? I think that the um, capitalism. If if we take if we if we're looking at making it into a, another system, or so are we looking at hypothetically taking taking capitalism out of it, and or or how would that? What I'm saying is um, I understand that there are going to be problems with people people trying to take advantage of it. And there will be some mm-hmm. amount of that mm-hmm. because there will be some amount of that in any system. It doesn't matter what you do, mm-hmm. there's going to be some amount of that. Okay, And we can, I mean, there's a, it's, it's pretty simple to figure out, you know, how much is tolerable and how much isn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to make sure that we pass laws and enforce laws to the extent that we, that, that we don't have more than we can tolerate. So I understand that's going to be a problem, but let's assume that we've dealt with that problem for the moment. Mm-hmm. I'd be all for it. I think that if hmm, if we could bring in competition to to and so why do you want competition in particular? I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily against it. I'm just asking: is there some is there a reason, or is it just something that you've been that you've heard a lot that you think needs to be there? It's probably something that I've heard, and and when I think of fairness, I think of competition. 
I think of um, of Darwin, mm-hmm. right? And I think the best one will win. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I begin to say, well, not necessarily. The best one may not win. You know, if we look at history, it's not always the best that wins. Well, and so, yeah, it's, it's... What do you mean by best? Because in, in that kind of competition, what best means is most profitable. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, most able to generate uh, profit. So it doesn't mean, for example, we have like in Texas right now, we see what happens when we have open competition without regulation is utilities build infrastructure to serve the regular times and they don't mm-hmm. build they don't build excess capacity to serve when that excess capacity is needed. They expect the consumers to absorb the excess capacity shocks. Okay. Exactly. And that that's a situation where where what happened is competition came in and they let the competition mm-hmm. work out like that and they did all of the, all of these things and what they did is the the competition uh, got gave them a way to lower the price as much as possible, mm-hmm. give themselves as much profit as possible, exactly. but 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 not actually develop a system that can that that that, that can operate the right. whole year. That's sustainable even or right. or 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 economically friendly. Right. So when we say best, that's where, um, that's that's exactly right. where I'm, I'm having the, the trouble. Mm-hmm. Because when we say best, what does that mean? Right. Best for who? Right, exactly, um, best what for is, who. What does that mean? And so, yeah, yeah. that's, that's right. where, right. <laughs> that's where I am. I think the idea of competition is a good one. There are certainly places where that's appropriate. I'm just wondering, I'm just, I just, um, it seems to me that this is not particularly one of them. Um, maybe those good arguments, but um, so, but but just it was just something that you that you, you keep hearing, and so yes, that makes yeah, I understand, I understand. Uh, what about things like freedom of speech, freedom of assembly? Uh, what what are rights made of? Rights are made, I believe, from history. Um, things happened, and we realized this should not. This is not okay. And, and so the rights came about. Um, are they equal? No. Um, are they, did the, did the writers have good intent? Yes. Um, well, some of them. But some of them. And, and, and sitting in 2021, um, we have to sit back and think, is it equal for all? Am I able to open carry, right? Mm-hmm. Do I have the, the sure. right to bear right. arms right. Right. as equally as, as, as a white woman yeah. walking down yeah. the street? No, I no, wouldn't. I certainly don't. And so they're, they're great. They're great in theory, mm-hmm. but that's, that's one of, when we think about that and those theories um, and, and stretch it on to, into modern day time, this is one of the reasons why, why we kneel at the flag because it's not justice for all. Mm-hmm. These inalienable rights, they're not for us all equally. And so they're, I, I think that they're great in theory, but they're not here. Right. They're, they're, not, they're not here. Right. right. So um, let's go on to the next question. How do you define democracy? One vote, one person. Okay. Um, everyone gets a voice. Everyone gets a voice, one vote, one person, and, and, and winner takes all, pretty much. In my classroom, I try to keep it, and, and I always put in air quotes to my students, we're going to do this democracy, you know, we're going to do this democratically, guys, and, and I'll take a simple vote, and the winner wins. And mm-hmm. so 
as I'm teaching my students what democracy means, even if I, as the, the head of the class, don't agree mm -hmm. with that decision, sure. this is what the majority has come up with. And so to mm -hmm. me, democracy means the majority wins. Yeah. What's the purpose of democracy? I believe the purpose of democracy was fairness, was the idea, you know, there's so many grand ideas. The idea was fair. The idea was fairness. Yeah, it, the idea of democracy is bottom line fair. Okay, okay. So democracy is trying to solve the problem that governments aren't fair. Does it do that? No, but yes, I think that that is the the idea that the government is for the people and the people know what's fair. And and with that, the government should listen to the democracy. Mm -hmm. So um, how, how do the people know what's fair? Well, <laughs> do we? Do we know what's fair? Sure. So when we think back, to, to the founding and, and they said, well, the people don't quite know, so let's put an electoral college in, right? And so here so we so are in 2021. So just say, let me, let me just point out that what they did there was they said majority doesn't rule, the minority gets to decide. Mm. So for example, right, right now the electoral college, what is it, 500, 546, I think it is? Yes. yes. But, so, mm -hmm. so 546 people out of 330 million get to decide who's president. Yes. Nobody else gets to decide. Right. Okay. So here's a situation where we say that that majority rule is, is what democracy is, but then we turn around and we have vastly minority rule. We have you absolutely know, tiny the last number of people. few presidential last few presidential elections, minority has ruled. The majority spoke one way, uh, but that tiny minority mm -hmm. declared it another way. And so here we are, another example of where. America is not truly a democratic country. Yeah, the idea of the Electoral College is really, I mean, actually, if you read Federalist 10, for example, I think it's James Madison. Madison uh, yes. uh, I mean, he pretty much comes right out and says the reason that we have to have an Electoral College is because if poor people uh, get in charge of the government, uh, they, will, they will tell rich people that they can't fuck them over anymore. Right. Right. I mean, and and I think so. I think well, you know, you read it and you interpret it, but I, I I interpreted that we're dumb, right? That we can't elect our leader, you know, and that's that's how I that's how I took it. This is coming on the heels of governments derived their just powers from the consent of the governed, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, so it's it's interesting. So 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 the only people that consented to be governed by the president are the five hundred forty six people that voted for him. And actually, a bunch of them didn't vote for him. They voted for the other guy. <laughs> it, it's painful, but, you know, and then that, that, that brings you into frustration. Like, what can you do? Right? I, it, yeah. Sure. What's, is there a connection between democracy and freedom? And what is that connection? There is. The teacher in me right now is doing a double bubble, you know, a compare and contrast in my head and seeing the overlaps. There is absolutely democracy, you get to speak your voice. And if you're free, you get to speak your voice. Gosh. And then in a way they're not because democracy, some folks are not going to be happy. Whereas freedom, you know, well, will you always be happy if you're free? See, now you've got me backtracking, thinking, does freedom equate mm -hmm. happiness? 
So here, here's something I like to do sometimes is take freedom. I think it's very useful to, to think about freedom in two different aspects. The first one is how much time do you have mm -hmm. to exercise your freedoms? Mm -hmm. Okay, because if you work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, there's only 168 hours in a mm -hmm. week to begin right. with. Okay, and you've got to spend, spend uh, seven times eight, 56 hours of that sleeping. So, uh, and you've got other things that you're obligated to do. You have to eat, you have to uh, take care of your basic hygiene and so on. You have to uh, take care of your interpersonal connections. Uh, you have to do. You have a lot. Of, you have a lot of time out of that 168 hours that is not available for you to do whatever you want, for you to exercise your freedoms. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have 60, 70, 80 hours of work, and suddenly you have no time to exercise your freedoms. Our 24 hours mm -hmm. is not the same as as the riches 24 hours. You know, my 24 hours looks different than Oprah's. 24 hours she's she has much more freedom in her 24 hours to do what she will to find that happiness because she has the means to do that and so um, freedom is a means um, as you as you were saying um, the time and the means to be able to carry out your wishes well so that's actually a third thing because I was saying there's there's time uh, there's uh, there's what you're allowed to do, you know. For example, in some societies, uh, they stone you for uh, loving the wrong person. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you have the means, you can get out of that. Well, society. Yeah, yeah. If you have the means, you can get out of that society. But but there's three things. There's the time you have available to exercise your freedoms. There's the freedoms that you have. What is the list of things that you that you are free to do in your society? And then there's the means that you need to, to, to do them. So, for example, if you have time to go for a walk with your in the in the park with your lover, if you have the time to do that, that's great. And if you have the, if you if you have the time to do that, but you don't have the the freedom to do that because in your in your uh, in in your society you and your lover would get stoned, then you don't have the freedom to do that, regardless of the fact that many other people do have that freedom. Right. But but similarly, if you don't have the time, right. however much you may want to go for a walk with your lover in the park, you don't get to. So you don't have that freedom either. And of course, if there's a fee to go to the park and you don't have the money for the fee, you also don't have that freedom. Absolutely. So there's three main ways that freedoms are limited, and those are, those are the three ways. Freedoms are conditional. Yes, freedom is conditional. Yeah. And, they, and we hear a lot, freedom is not free. But we don't talk about the conditions attached to said freedoms as well. Yeah. How about is there a way to measure democracy? There has to be a way to measure democracy. Otherwise, it would kind of be more like an abstract thing, but it's not really abstract. It's a concrete noun, mm -hmm. right? Democracy. Yeah, it's a concrete noun. So there has to be a way to measure it. I'm just, I don't know um, how to measure it. I would assume. How would you measure democracy? I'll give you a very simple, a very simple version. I mean, I personally think it's the right one, but you know, you can tell me what you think. Democracy is a particular power distribution. In particular, it's mm -hmm. the equal power distribution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And right. what's the opposite of an equal power distribution? An entirely unequal power distribution. So there's a spectrum. Mm -hmm from democracy to totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. And the the spectrum is a spectrum of power distributions. How is power distributed in a given society? And you can measure that. You can look, for example, you can look at how much of the power 
in the government does each person effectively control or is each person at least represented by at least in name mm-hmm. so for example you can look at you can look at the US Senate there are a hundred pieces of power in the US Senate because there's a hundred votes okay mm-hmm. every state gets 150th two votes so 150th of that power okay mm-hmm. but Wyoming has 600,000 people and Michigan has 10 million people so everybody right. in Wyoming gets 17 times the uh, the Senate power is represented by 17 mm-hmm. times the Senate power as any person in Michigan. Right. To me, that's the way to measure it, is to look at, you look at where the power is in the government, the Senate, the House, right. the presidency, Right, the because then they came up with the House to try and fix, you know, and try and say, well, here's equal representation. But then if you look at where we are today, yeah, the Senate is way more powerful than the House in, in any given time. Yeah, so when we think about, when you go back to that initial mm-hmm. question, absolutely, it's the distribution right. of power. Um, um, because democracy is one 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 person, one vote, you know, one right. voice. And and if that is lessened or heightened, then there is a sliding scale. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. So it, it just seems to me that's a very straightforward way that you can measure how democratic a country is, how even, how equal is there is the power distribution, is the political power distribution. I think that's truly crucial. And by the way, you can also measure freedom. Uh, I actually use a different word. I use freedom means hours, you know, time that you have and freedoms that you have. The time that you have, I call that liberty because we happen to have two words, freedom and liberty, that mean the same thing. So we might as well use one to distinguish Mm -hmm. the time we have available. And sort of like, you know, when you're at liberty, that's the way they talk about in the army, you're at liberty. So Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. kind of thing... So liberty and freedoms, uh, freedoms are the things that you can, the, the things that you're allowed to do without, without, uh, without consequence. So at least the time is measurable. So you can measure your liberty and you can measure your, the level of democracy that you have. And you can list the freedoms that you have. You know, so that there's the, all of these things are measurable. And I think that's, I think that's really important to keep in mind because well, basically, uh, capitalism is perverted science, especially in the realm of economics and sociology. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole other issue. But um, anyway, so uh, let's go on to the next question. Uh, ready for the next big question? Sure. Okay. How do you define economics? Oh. <laughs> um. or, or, or put it another way, can you explain your mental model of how the economy works? I am not a fan of economics. I know that I was um, attempted to be brainwashed in the trickle-down economy, um, which is nowhere near what we have. How it works is there's a bunch of workers doing all the work for very little pay to make the economy go, to keep everything afloat. And then... Um, and then I remember when I was younger, we were told about a middle class, right? There's no middle class. Um, there's the working poor. Um, and then we have rich, right? We have the CEOs. And then we have the super rich, the people who should not have the type of, there should not be one person in our world who has the wealth that Jeff Bezos has. So sure. the how I see the economy is it is just as messed up as this capitalist. It's, it's, it's just all 
it's it's no good for anyone. And um, I don't know if I can say this, but I think it's time to eat the rich. There, there's no, there's no, there's, they're not going to give it to us, right? They're not going to mm-hmm. give it to us nicely. We mm-hmm. have to take it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not good for any of us, right? And and you have a little bit more, and so you fight for that little bit more. But why do we have to fight for that little bit more when we're all working hard? They teach you that, oh, you work hard and you'll be rich. We're all sitting here fighting for this rich American dream that is not attainable for any workers. It's not going to happen for us. We're not going to be Jeff Bezos. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a fantasy. And you can see why, because like you mentioned Darwin earlier. So it's a very simple thought experiment. If you think about what happens if you have, say, in one industry, you have 100 different competitors and they're competing with each other. If they all start out about the same, eventually someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. So two of those companies are going to become one. Or, you know, or, or one of them right. is just going to die off and there's going to be only 99 left. And a little while later, there's going to be only 98. And, after, and that process is going to compete as they compete with each other because that's what competition does. It creates winners and losers. And eventually, it creates a very, very few number of winners, a very large number of losers, and sometimes only even only just one winner. That's one of the reasons I was concerned before about when he was talking about competition. I think if you think about it that way, it's very clear from you know from your Darwinian example mm-hmm. that this doesn't work. I mean, and this is what's happened in the past mm-hmm. every single time. For example, you had in the uh, in the ancient world, you had Hittites and the and the Babylonians and the Egyptians and you know bunches of other folks competing with each other. It wasn't exactly just economic competition, but in a sense it was all economic competition because it's an economic competition Mm -hmm. to be able to put an army in the field, for example. So they all competed and what happened? 1200 BC, it collapsed. And they rose back up again and started fighting again and collapsed. And a thousand plus years, you know, from when it collapsed in 400, 500 AD until we built back up again, and every time it's the same. Like we built up to 1930s. Well, actually, before that, there was a recession in the 1840s. There was a recession in 1873 to 1893 called the Long Recession, and then there was the crash of 1929. So that's that is all the same kind of thing as was happening with you know the Egyptians and the Hittites, you know, clashing against each other, and one of them losing, another one gaining, etc. Until there's a few of them, and they're controlling most of the money and then the uh, they can't the imbalance of what they expect to get from everybody else and what everybody else doesn't have becomes an impossible contradiction mm-hmm. and they, and it collapses <laughs> absolutely so, so we just see that over and over and over absolutely. again absolutely i've had the the privilege of of studying several different world politics i don't know if i know the answer to what to i don't i don't think i have the solution I don't think I have the solution. Obviously, obviously, I lean very, very, very much towards socialism. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? What, what, does, what does socialism mean to you? That is the closest to, to freedom, to equality that I, can, that I can muster right now. It means um, for someone in the work that I do, it means that my elder won't have to worry about hospital bills, right? They... Mm-hmm just the, the basic things like that, that really hurt our community, mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about. It gives us, it puts us a step closer towards that freedom, if you will. Will it work? I don't know, but that is the best 
the best chance I think we have right now. Sure. So can you give me some more concrete idea of what of, of what you see? What is socialism? How does socialism happen? What what is the uh, what are the things that need to change in order for us to do these kind of things? Capitalism has to die. What what do you what do you mean by capitalism? The fair economy, if you will, the the way that the competition. Um, again, I always I I go back to the hospitals because that I think that's the the most concrete example for me in in the work that I do in my communities. And mm-hmm. um, I remember learning about doctors just love doing. They make this, you know. And I, and I don't want to mess it up, so, so I don't want to misspeak. And I believe I was think, I was watching something about socialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to misspeak because as I'm thinking about it, that was an Asian country, and I don't believe <laughs> I don't believe mm-hmm. that was socialism over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, which you know, kings mm-hmm. and queens and and all of that stuff is a whole different. In order for socialism to happen, um, racism is going to have to die. Capitalism, meaning the top-down model that we're taught, we have to have a complete paradigm shift. This is one of those things where will it happen in our lifetime like we talked about last time? I don't think so, but if we push hard enough, we can start edging edging out of out of this capitalist top-heavy system mm-hmm. let me ask you this what do you think causes poverty wealth and inequality what, what's what are the mechanism how, how, how do you how do you how do you think about that so when I think about that I think in our American system I, um, and then I guess we can take it out further but when I think about our American system I think about how it started mm-hmm. it's systemic and it's generational in America, um, but when we think about worldwide, and I always, I when I think about poverty and things like that, I think, oh, if you work hard, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you'll get rich or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think about the women in Africa who have to walk five miles to go get clean water. Mm-hmm. It's despairing. Can you can you ask your original question again? Because I, I get branches, I get, yeah. I get yeah, branched no, no, no. off. That's cool, that's cool. <laughs> What are the mechanisms in our economic system or in our social systems, economics being one of the social systems, that create poverty or wealth and inequality? Um, obviously racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's worldwide, obviously racism. For me, that's the biggest. That's, that's my fight. That's mm-hmm. my fight. And it's systemic. Again, it's, it's systemic. It, um, what do you mean by systemic? Talk it a started about. a very long time ago, and systems mm-hmm. were put in place to ensure that it could continue mm-hmm. to thrive. When we think about the census, what was the census? Why was the census created? Well, it was created to keep track of dark people, of black and brown people. Of course, it has a different meaning, right? But it was created to keep, when we look at it in its time period and when it was created, mm-hmm. it was created to keep track of brown and black people. But that's supposed to help us fight poverty, right? That's supposed to be able, from those numbers, we're supposed to be able to deliver more money to the places, the inner city places where the poverty happens. Huh, mm. that, that doesn't seem to work. It's not working, right? Mm-hmm. We can add more money, 
add more police, but it, it's not working, right? We What's missing? The basic foundation, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the basic foundation is missing. And, sure. and as long as we continue to neglect those basic foundations, we will continue to see this cycle of poverty. It's a terrible, terrible cycle. Mm-hmm. And and it's systemic. It's put in place, and it's crazy. It's in our system almost impossible to get out. Right? Yeah. I was born and raised in what we call the ghetto in the hood in New Jersey, and I'm not much better. I'm a I'm a professional now. I'm an educator, but I'm still poor. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's systemically put in place. And before I knew what credit was, I had I was on the verge of getting a car repossessed at the age of 19. Sure you know, in our communities is systemic that we don't learn these things. Our parents didn't learn these things. So how could we expect our parents to teach us? Oh, you're learning in school. No, we don't learn it in school. This is something that's taught at home. Yeah. But our parents don't know these things. So systemically, we can't get out of it. And and that's a huge cause of poverty. Huge. Mm -hmm. One of the main causes of poverty. It's not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Some of the poorest people in our country work three to four jobs trying to get food on the table and make sure that they have lights. Right. So it's not working. It's not mm-hmm. the lack of a drive. It's it's put in place this way. Yeah, yeah. So what's your theory of change? I am a firm, firm, firm believer in um, my education, the way I teach, the way I learn, is all based on bite by bite. I believe that anything can be accomplished bite by bite. When I was a little girl and I had a big task in front of me, my, my dad would say, Lily, how would you eat an elephant? Right? And he would say, you'd eat it bite by bite. And eventually you're full and the elephant is gone. And the way to change is bite by bite. It's just picking off the pieces until there's a new ship in the end. Right, it's still the same country, but as we pick off pieces, is it the same country or is it a new country? So it's just as systemic as it was getting us in this place. It needs to be as systemic finding our way out. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you give me some examples of where you've seen some of that happen? Sure, the freed peoples. Um, is us going into politics and speaking up for BIPOC communities gonna change the system? Absolutely not. It's not going to change the system at all. But in this current system, we have to start somewhere, piece by piece, bite by bite. If we are going to play in this current system, if we're going to look outside of this current system, piece by piece, we have to be in both. And so at the Free Peoples, that's what we're doing, bite by bite. We're looking at different legislations that actually hurt BIPOC communities, and we're calling them out. And Mm -hmm. we're looking at different politicians that are actually voting against BIPOC communities. And we're calling them out, bite by bite, piece by piece. It's not gonna happen overnight. The system wasn't put in place overnight and it's gonna take a wide range of different systems to to get us where we need to be. That's good, thanks. Do you have any other thoughts you wanted to uh, leave us with? How did you think it went? I mean, how do you think this this went? Did you enjoy this? Was this fun? I think it went well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I would say, um, don't be discouraged. Gosh, we've come a long way. <laughs> we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go, and the future is bright. It is bright. 
Very, very cool. Well, on that note, I think that's a good place to end it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to First Drafts here on State of the Revolution. We hope you perhaps heard a new viewpoint or gained an insight, but most of all, that you enjoyed your time. If you did, please give us a like, click subscribe, and share us with your friends. Leave a comment if you have an idea for someone to come on the show, or a question you'd like to hear discussed, or just have something to say about what we talked about. If you can, please consider supporting our efforts by becoming a patron. You can find us at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Thanks. See you next time.